Monday night, and that means a brand new episode of Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes comics with politics. This is the show that wonders if they ever get snow days at the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning, and why aren't superheroes part of the plan to fight global warming? Uh, joining me <laughs> is the possibly snowed in Alana. How you doing? Good. I'm good. Um, actually, they're doing a fantastic job of plying the streets right now to the point where you may actually hear the loud sound of a piece of metal shearing over the street. Um, it's, it's, it's loud on occasion, so I hope our listeners don't mind the periodic I, clanging and banging. Well, at least you got that. I think there's maybe like a whopping three salt trucks in all of Virginia, so I'm expecting the government to be closed tomorrow with oh, a whopping easily. two inches. <laughs> there's yep. two inches. That yep. Everything shuts down. Welcome to D.C. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I'm from the D.C. area originally. And it was yeah. when I came to New York, it was shocking, but kind of distressing to me that, like, things would be open even when they actually probably should have been closed. Um, having taken the subway when the metal stairs to my subway were frozen over with ice, <laughs> high up in the sky, it didn't seem really safe, let's be honest. Well, me being from Buffalo, if it's under seven feet, I kind of shrug my shoulders. And that's not an exaggeration. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, everyone in New York, uh, be safe out there. Don't do anything stupid. I'm sure if you have days off, take advantage and go have a nice snowball fight. I'm sure there will be one in DuPont tomorrow here in D.C. because there usually is. Uh, and this is so a good opportunity to catch on your comic reading. That, that too. Um, and we'll have some stuff to suggest uh, for you to read. Um so we've got a, a bunch of to talk about tonight. So we're talking uh, all new X Factor, which ended last week with issue twenty. Uh, we'll be talking two events coming up: Marvel's and DC's uh, big events, uh, DC's Insurgents and Marvel's is Secret Wars. And then we'll talk a little bit. Uh, it's a last minute edition about uh, Kamala Khan and her fighting racism in San Francisco. Um, which mad props to you for, for finding that. So let's start with X-Factor. I feel like uh, we've talked about it a little bit on past shows, um, so we'll, we'll kick it off with that. Uh, so the series wrapped up with issue 20 after uh, a big uh, a, a detour random trip to, we think, the Middle East. Um, so what did you think <laughs> the end of Peter David's run for the series? Sort of ignominious. It makes me sad. I, I, I get such an obvious case where the writer clearly had more he wanted to be doing, more stories to tell, more balls in the air, and he just had to throw an angel on the back of it. Um, you know, I, I, I do wish he'd sort of brought in that whole factor about, like, what Harrison Snow's real agenda is a lot earlier. I think the comic really would have benefited from it. I, you know, I, I appreciate a comic that plays the long game, but the reality of the industry right now is that his comic wasn't going to be given a long enough time to really make that point, like, sad to say. It would have been good to have him bring it in maybe, like, five issues ago or something like that into the story. Um, I think that what we've concluded about it, you know, I mean, sorry, what, what you were left understanding at the conclusion of the series is intriguing and is completely up in the air and will not be, dis- not be dis- you know, resolved at any point in the future. Um you know, we know Pietro is going back to Avengers, so, you know, I hope that means we can continue to see him, hopefully see him more, at least more featured in the book. I mean, one of the, I'm going to miss the particular cast of characters they have here, you know? 
I'm really going to miss them. It wasn't the best comic, but it was really enjoyable. Um, the covers were really unique and radical and appealing to a different readership than many of the comics do. And Peter David always does a good job, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed about this. I really am. Yeah, I'm so... I mean, should we just spoil the end review, uh, reveal? I think we can, yeah. All right. Uh, so the ending of issue 20... So uh, for those who haven't watched the, the show... Um, the X Factor basically gets hired by the serval industry and be, kind of become his own um, superhero team. And then you, you can tell something's up, whether or not this is a good guy or a bad guy. You know, you don't really know. Um, we always kind of lean to like, he's probably bad, but I'm not quite sure. Um, it is a corporation, with, you know. Yeah, exactly. And They're Peter David is usually fairly liberal in his stuff, so... I yeah. was going to go with that, no matter how kind of cliche that is. So the end, uh, you find out that uh, this guy who is in charge is actually from the future and has ties to Spider-Man 2099. So this is now my big question. Did you pick up on what the hell all that back and forth was? So I don't read Spider-Man 2099. Um, the fact go. that I knew that Peter David was the writer of it, I think, indicates that, like, I guess it works to have a certain amount of familiarity with the line as a whole, even if you don't read that particular comic. Um, you know, everybody knows Roxanne is evil. Yeah. That's just the way it is in the Marvel Universe. I think it's funny, actually. Like, basically every company that's not Stark Industries, except sometimes Stark Industries, too, is evil in the Marvel Universe. So, like, you can just assume that. It makes it easy. Which is fair, because that's how it is in the real world, too. That's the thing that, 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 that the Marvel Universe and the real world share. Real world share. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's kind of funny. Is like, And for a while, I thought Marvel was really going towards the whole we've, we've done the villain thing, let's actually start doing stuff about corporations and whether or not they can be good and all that. And now they've just kind of shifted to, like, all corporations are evil, which is really funny because they actually are belong to a company that's fairly malevolent in many ways. Uh, Disney. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I mean, it's a company that does some good, but a lot of bad as well. Um, so I, I think it's really funny that they're kind of, they've got this theme going through their comics, yet here they are, part of the big giant multinational behemoth of a company. Um, but yeah, so I mean, to me, like the whole ending just kind of seemed to come out of nowhere of being like, this deserves a whole other arc. And then I actually read Spider-Man 2099, and the series is in this middle of the Spider-Verse huge event. And I'm like, when has this ever come up in Spider-Man 2099 to, like, really put this all together? And now are we going to see this move over to Spider-Man 2099 and see that, like, the storyline wrap up? Um, Probably, right? I would hope, but you never know because, like... Marvel's got the whole Secret Wars coming up, and that's in three or four months. So, are they going to have enough time to do all that? Like, I have no for I like nope. I don't. I've, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's a little. It's weird. It was like a really weird, abrupt ending. So, do you read the Spider-Man book? Yeah. Yes. Did you see any of no. this coming? Does it match with the? No idea. Like, it was one of those where I got to this, 
and then like the whole thing went down with uh, Spider-Man 2099, whose name is Miguel O'Hara. And I'm just like, wait, what? And then I thought about it. I was like, oh, yeah, Peter David writes Spider-Man 2099 as well. So it makes sense there's a tie-in. But when the hell has this, like, really been part of it at all? Um, And there's nothing I could think of. Like, I might – I'm tempted to go back and, like, really watch again or reread everything to see if anything was in there or not. Um, but there's nothing like I could really think of that reminded me. I mean, it, it's weird. It's really, really, really strange. Yeah. I mean, all I can say is I'm really going to miss, I'm really going to miss this. I miss the potential this book had. I really do. Uh, I think that it was a really interesting concept. I like the people he assembled together Art was always on point. He was building a diverse cast. And um, he's a you know, diverse in many ways. Yeah, and he was doing interesting things. Like, he had the whole warlock-danger relationship along with Doug, yep. or, you know, Doug Ramsey as well. And, like, all these things. Like, he was really willing to kind of dive into some of the X-Universe that folks don't usually do. Like, um, I mean, Quicksilver's daughter has been AWOL for God knows how long. She was an actually... SF. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was, wasn't she? I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, I thought she was like a really kind of... Um... She was a minor character. Like, the one thing they really gave her was that she's a fan of Sergio anime. And like holds yeah. hands adorably with the impossible boy, and like what is the cutest thing? Well, everything in that comic is the cutest thing, but one of the cutest things in that comic. But it's true, she did not have like a major role. And here, there's—I don't know—it was cool to see him spotlighting his relationship, relationship with his daughter. Uh, yeah, I think I'm it's, a sucker for—I'm a sucker for the characters that that Peter David likes to write. He's really you know, good. I, like, I, I, I would say, like, out of everything Peter David does, like, his when he get, dives down into, like, the actual characters themselves, like, for, he's not, I don't, it's weird in that I don't think he's great with his action, but, like, just the interaction of the characters is awesome. Yeah, they really are. It's true, the action sometimes can be confusing and not as well done. Um, he's good at writing villains, though, so, like, if he, keeps the, if he can just keep the villains monologuing, you know, then, like, you won't quite notice that it's not the best put-together action sequence. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, like, he excels at taking characters that were kind of their second tier at that time and, like, really doing fantastic things with them. Yeah, he really does. He finds, Peter David finds interesting aspects about underappreciated characters. He, like, really does a great job building his soap opera. And I just, like, I love the people, I love the way he writes these characters. I just, I just do. And um, he finally made a Gambit that I like. I don't know if he has he ever written Gambit before. I don't think he has. Uh, but it's like the first time I really liked Gambit. I can't I might have think liked of Marjorie it. Lou's version, but I didn't read much of it. So actually, the, the the part I loved of Gambit in this is where he sleeps with his boss's wife and not know doesn't know it at the time. Yeah. And then afterwards was just like. I didn't know, and aren't you going to, like, fire me or kick my ass or whatever? Like, the just the way Gambit was acting and what he was saying seemed so perfect, and 
kind of humorous at the same time of like it you know this shows that this character actually has a little bit of a conscious um when it comes to that sort of stuff Conscious, he's just like he's not, he, he knows how shit works. Kind of yeah, you know what I mean. He's like he understands how society works, and he expects certain things to happen a certain way, and and they don't. And he, he, it, it was really well played out. It was funny, and um, it was a good character beat. Yeah, it also it really reminds me of the scene in, in Major League when he sleeps with a fellow player's wife, and and um, Charlie Sheen sitting there like with his hands and his head. Other player who knows what's up, like walks in. He just looks up. He's like, "I didn't know. I, I swear to God, I didn't know." And I kind of got yeah. that same vibe from Vabbit, Gambit of like, "No, I really didn't know." Um, yeah. No, it was yeah, I, well done. Yeah, I mean, the <sighs> only my only issue yeah. with the series was at the end when they they introduced the girl that they rescued, and then she suddenly joins the team. I'm like, she's like yeah, a teenager. Awesome. Why is she yeah. doing this? Why aren't you people correct of like protecting a child and making sure she goes to school? Why is she running around fighting villains? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think the bigger question is like, so one, do you think that we'll actually see the Harrison Serval Industries storyline come up anywhere else? So considering nope, we've got because I don't three think months. anybody else cares or pays attention. Okay, um, and then the other is, will we see X Factor again? Yes. I mean, they have to keep the IP, right? Or else they'll turn into a comic book about that horrible TV show. <laughs> this is true. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's... I'll put also, no, it'll always be back. X-Factor will always be back, and X-Factor will always be written by Peter David. And that's just the way of the world. You know, that's, that's, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I just wish they would support it more when it was around. You know, I mean, do you really think they're going to do something di- something else? X Factor is like the phoenix of the comics, <laughs> of the comic series. It's true. I mean, let's see here. It started off with a bunch, uh, with the original X Men um, kind of shrugged off after the second generation, like, went huge. Um,. And then once that was done, it became a government-sponsored group, um, which was like which was headed by Polaris in yeah. Havoc. And Valerie, and that, Valerie, yeah, got, Valerie got, Cooper. Valerie, Valerie Cooper, who like is just completely unlikable, but was like an interesting, uh, completely unlikable. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and multiple man, oh, man and strong he, guy and Wayne. X Factor, X Factor, like that Peter David X Factor is like was my, like, favorite comic when I was a kid. It really was. I remember reading it. Like, I loved that. I mean, that was kind of like the heyday of when I was reading comics. If anyone wants to put it down as to when I, I was reading, that's like the heyday when I was yeah, gobbling up anything and everything out there. Uh, I mean, I, I just... I, I don't know what else. It's just what they do. X Factor is what is what they do. It'll be back and um, it'll be reinvigorated. And um, I mean, I don't know. Do you think that they're going to do anything with those characters in the meantime? I guess we might not know for a little bit because of the whole mega world crossover, which is what we'll be talking about next. 
Yes, we'll we'll go to that next. Um, I don't know. I would think so. Like, so we know Quicksilver. Quicksilver will be seen again starting this week in Uncanny Avengers. Um, so he's already going somewhere. Uh, Polaris. I have no idea where she would be. I like. I feel like she's oh, got to so come. Definitely going to be there. Yeah. So he's one of the main characters in Uncanny Avengers. This new Avengers team is actually really interesting. And that it is a lot of former villains who have since become good guys. So you've got like Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, uh, Brother Voodoo, uh, Sabretooth is on the team. Um, what? I want to I want to say Vision. Sabretooth is a bad person. Yeah, but he's sometimes be been good, and after Axis, he's now good oh, again. No, only when they like. Clockwork Orange's head. Well, now That's Axis happened. That's not the happened. same as these other people. I'm sorry. Axis, Axis, Axis happened, so now he's good. Oh, I thought I thought we undid Axis. Uh, some people were not uh unaccessed, turned on their access. <laughs> uh, so, fo- so for folks who don't know this event. Uh, Marvel had a thing where it basically it flipped uh, some good guys into bad guys and bad guys into good guys, and at the end, some um, some folks re- kind of remain. Tony Stark's still pseudo-bad. Sabretooth is now good, and I feel like there's a third one that I can't think off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah. So, Sabretooth's now replacing Wolverine since he's dead for now. Wolverine would be disgusted by that. Uh yeah, I don't, I remember Wolverine not being the biggest a fan of Sabretooth being on the X Men when he yeah, was. Yeah, no, not at all. But and actually, Sabretooth being so... was always trying to get rapey on Gene, and Gene would like kick his ass every time, which was amazing and a lovely recurring trope in comics. But like, yeah, no, Wolverine definitely not okay with that. Yeah, so uh, so Uncanny Avengers is back this week. Quicksilver's in that. Um, I feel like you and have it's to a have parallel pro- universe. I think I just saw somebody say. Uh, I don't think it's parallel universe. I think it's actually the six one six, and it's dealing with the end of the Marvel universe as we know it. Sort of, mm-hmm. kind of. I don't know. I, we'll find out Wednesday. I'm a little confused. Um, I I I really don't know what what the main thing of it. Like, let me see if I can find the blurb while we talk. Um, the I would feel like Polaris needs to come back because Havoc's now... Oh, yeah, Havoc kind of remained a bad guy. I think that was the other one. Um, so this All would right. be the question of uh, Polaris meeting kind of the bad pick. Like, you got to do that. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Here we go. So, Uncanny Avengers, this is the tag, is the tragedy at the end of Avengers and X-Men Axis has left the Uncanny Avengers vulnerable. The Avengers Unity Squad, as we know it, has been decimated, and someone is taking advantage of it. Biding his time, one of the Avengers' oldest foes has returned. Why now? What does it have to do with the reborn Avengers Unity Squad? What is Counter-Earth? What secrets does it hold? An unlikely alliance of Avengers and X-Men will form seeking answers. Uh, the team is Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, Vision, the new Captain America, Rogue, Brother Voodoo, and Sabretooth. And the Counter-Earth, for folks who don't remember, is the Earth that was created during Heroes Reborn. Counter-Earth. Yes. That sits on the other side of the sun. This is what Secret Wars will hopefully fix, is all this stupidity. But there isn't that much stupidity in Marvel, though. (laughs) No, it's usually, that's the one good thing about Marvel, is it's still, it's pretty linear 
for the most part in storytelling. Yeah. I mean... Do I need to explain let's Counter-Earth? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this crazy <laughs> shit that they're about to do to us. Uh, Secret Wars. Uh, we'll start with Secret Wars. Um, so Marvel has had this ongoing story that's been really building for years at this point. Um, Marvel likes to play a lot with time in various alternate Earths. Um, DC, it's also a big thing, uh, but Marvel kind of keeps on running with it. Um, and there's been these time quakes, and time has been having all these little issues um, going on. Uh, on top of that, there's this thing that's been going on in the Avengers, and uh, alternate Earths have been cl- coming close to colliding, or have been colliding with other versions of Earth um, in what's known as incursions. And this squad of Avengers have had to deal with this in secret. Um so Secret Wars seems to be taking all of these storylines and bringing them together in a big mashup where basically the Marvel Universe will be rejiggered and combined and certain aspects of some will be combined with others. Um, they have promised that the Marvel Ultimate Universe is going to be gone. Um, the Marvel 616 will be unlike anything we've seen before. And after this, there will be a new Marvel Universe. This is an eight-part series that starts in April, I think, um, and will pretty much run for the rest of the year. There's kind of three themes. They're basically blowing out the entire line, and the series that will be going on will have three themes. One's called Battle World, where all these various versions of Marvel Universes will fight each other, so the Marvel Zombies will fight the Age of Apocalypse. Uh, or in, or the Age of Ultron, and kind of battle out till there's one Marvel Universe. Um, there will be Last Days, which is all these people figuring out that, holy crap, the universe is about to end, and how do you spend your last days? And then the huh. third... Well, yeah, which that actually to me sounds really cool, um, or at least really that intelligent. Cool. And then the third... The last Days? Yeah, and uh, let me get the third one. I'm playing... And the... Uh, other is called War Zones, which that is the battle. Hold on. That's a whole bunch of fighting, I think, specifically. But, yeah, so that's Secret Wars kind of in a nutshell. Um, so this is a huge event going on. Marvel's actually got an interactive map on their website where you can go and see the various uh, Marvel universes and kind of get some history. Um, they have a lot up their sleeve because they haven't revealed everything. But fan favorites like the Age of Apocalypse, Age of Ultron, Marvel Zombies, um, Future Imperfect, which is a series that I love, um, the Marvel 616, the Ultimate Universe are going to all come together in this world to battle out for the Ultimate Marvel Universe. There can be only one. It's like Highlander of the Marvel Universe. uh, Yes. I just don't, I feel like, all the very moral characters in the D- in the Marvel universe, like why, they wouldn't want to be fighting to destroy other worlds so that those could prevail. They'd be fighting to try to weave it all together to function as one. That's an heroic thing. Well, so that's the interesting thing. So Jonathan Hickman's been doing, been writing Avengers and New Avengers, and New Avengers has been dealing with the Illuminati, which is like Mister Fantastic and Black Panther and Namor yeah. and Beast and all them. And they're the ones actually. I heard somebody with killed Namor. Uh yeah oh yeah well, we can get to that in a in a second. So that wasn't this a dream I had. 
No, 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 no. I actually dropped the comic and said, holy shit. Um, So they've been dealing with these incursions, and they have generally been doing it safely and being able to, like, reverse them and get the other Earths to not collide with our, our or their Earth, the 616 Marvel Universe. Um, so they've been doing it really good, and then it got to a point where they just couldn't do it anymore, and Namor just, like, stands up and he's like, if you guys won't do it, I'm going to do it, and he winds up destroying an Earth. Um, so now that's the big question of, like, did they really cross the line? Are these people, like, mass murderers? Is this genocide? They're protecting their Earth. There wasn't any other choices. Were there any other choices? Um, you know, all those, that's been kind of going on, and... The storyline skipped ahead eight months, so now, like, Captain America's ahead of S.H.I.E.L.D., and S.H.I.E.L.D. is basically hunting down the Illuminati, um, and Roberto da Costa, who was Sunspot in the X-Men, has bought out AIM as a corporation and is running his own Avengers team. Um, it's really, as it's AIM. like, yeah, as AIM, and it's kind of awesome. Like, I love the aspect. Roberto da Costa and um, Cannonball in charge of the Avengers is freaking awesome. Um, it's a bunch of new stuff, and I, wow. I do dig it. Like, it's really, really cool in that aspect, but, like, where it's all leading to this battling out is, I, I don't know. Like, I'm a little worried. Well, I'm not okay with them killing Namor, but that's aside from the point. Um, yeah, so, I, I really feel like one of the things Marvel has been good about is finding solutions like the Ultimate series as ways to bring in new fans and new readers without, like, destroying the rich world that they've been building for generations. And I don't know why they would change that now, especially since it's not like the new DCU really solved the DC problems. They have a whole model to reflect on, and now they can know that it doesn't work. So why are they doing it is the question. And I feel like there's things about Battle World that really remind me of Green Lantern and Mosaic. Do you remember that? Um, From the 90s? Vaguely, yeah. It's been really, really long time since I've I read it. But yeah, it, like, it vaguely sticks in my mind. I mean, basically in it, like there ends up uh, a, a crazy uh, lantern brings, like, brings all these different cities from around the multiverse together and knits them together into a planet. And um, John Stewart... Green, Green Lantern John Stewart tries to like keep the peace and like help people become united as a planet and stuff. And you've got culture clash and different species and all kinds of interesting stuff. And that's interesting. Um, and I think that in some ways, I guess, if Battle World and all that stuff is good, then it'll be like that. But I don't really want to assume that. And I assume this is coming out of a commercial need. Right, and then what is the commercial need that this is fixing? You know, I heard somebody point out that, like, how you know how they retconned um, Wanda and Pietro from being Magneto's children, but that was yep. just to try to get them into the movie. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's true, and that's awful, because it's really important that they're his children. Um, oh, it's super important. So, and the thing is, is Days of Future Past hinted that Magneto was Quicksilver's uh, child, but that's the Fox version and not the Marvel version. But yeah, it's just so. I mean, you know, okay. So is Marvel is Marvel doing this because they think they're going to get more fans this way? I assume so. That's why they do anything. 
Do they get more fans this way? Well, so yes and no. Um, So there's a couple things on that. There's a couple folks that have done, uh, looked at the events over the past few years and whether or not they have boosted sales or have they like not really done well. The events themselves, they do well compared to the average series. However, they've been doing progressively worse over the years. And then uh-huh. with all the number one reboots, they again, you get a bump and then that dwindles off, but the number one bumps haven't been as good as they've been over years. So in general, does it work? Yeah, but it's not as good as it used to and um you know, shit's getting old, I think is the, the best way of putting it. It's like it's like political email. Shit's getting old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is. So I, I, I emailed a number of people I know who read comics to sort of get their feelings about whether or not big crossover events like this get them to read more or how they play out with the fans and I know a couple of people had said that these events you know, they can when they because these events end up in the news, they can sort of serve to remind people about the existence of these worlds, and perhaps they give them like a, an opportunity to start reading something in somewhere. But I think that I'm thinking about this in retrospect because you know, you remember Fifty Two, that the series from like back in the earlier part of the millennium, um, that was not New Fifty Two, but the, you know, Fifty Two, yeah. like the, the weekly, yeah, where the yeah, where the Trinity were missing, and we looked back one comic a week to see what happened while they were gone. That series, which I read in trades, mind you, not in single issues, is responsible for getting me to read mainline DC comics that I hadn't looked at since I finished reading Kevin Smith's run on Green Arrow. Um, but that worked because. I was already someone who was very knowledgeable about the DC universe. So I do think that events like this can be good at bringing in readers, but it isn't bringing in brand new people. It's bringing in lapsed readers because you only care about these things when you care about the characters that exist in that world to start with. I agree with that. Um, So that's the thing that has bothered me with a lot of Marvel events lately, is if I was a new reader who was completely unaware of anything with Marvel Comics – I wouldn't have a clue as to what is going on um, with those particular events. I mean, were they entertaining? Eh, that's a little mixed. But like Age of Ultron, um, Axis especially, they all just kind of threw in the story. And if someone was a new reader, I just don't think it would make sense at all. So clearly that is geared towards comic fans who are already there, who they're hoping to get back into reading these particular series. Um, Convergence is all nostalgia. Um, yeah. Which is the DC event we'll talk about in like a little bit. So, you know, I, we've seen what gets new readers is new series like Ms. Marvel. Um, you know, the, the thing that I actually have to praise Marvel recently is they put Brian Michael Bendis on The Late Show with um, Seth Meyers. And Bendis was fantastic on it. Like, not only did he pitch his Powers television series, which is based off his comic book, and they said, hey, the comic book is out this week. Um, he also talked about Secret Wars and did it in a very intelligent way that uh, might get new readers. Like, he, why he's not in front of more people is beyond me. But if mm. you want new readers, you got to go outside of... We've talked about it. You got to go outside of the comic industry. Yep. Like you need to 
advertise. You need to get people on television shows. You need to get them on um, series that they not, aren't normally seen on, like you know, The Chew and uh, um, the one with the women, um, The View, uh, which Marvel was doing. Uh, but you know, series like Secret Wars and Convergence isn't doing that. Like, I don't see. I don't see it working that way. To me, it's just a glass grasp to try to get existing people, unless Marvel's going to be smart, in which case, whatever Secret Wars turns into, at that point, they blow it up and hit the mainstream media and being like, hey, we just had this big event. It's a great time to start. Uh, This is exactly where you need to start with Spider-Man, X-Men, Fantastic Four, Avengers, um, here. Out of the two, I think Marvel's the one that's most likely to do that, but like, who, who freaking knows? So one of my one of our commenters, Scott Shields, and uh, says that you know, Civil War is what brought him back to reading Marvel. Um, again, brought back, right? Um, yep. Agent Dandy, uh, Agent Dandy wrote that um, he disagrees. Actually, he says that when something is good, people will hunt down the backstory. And he points to when he got into Dragon Ball Z, in parentheses, I know, leave me alone. I spent a week <laughs> on planetnamek.com reading everything about the DBU. Sorry, Frank, how do you say it? Namek? Thank you. It's Pandy having a peanut gallery <laughs> over here to correct my Dragon Ball Z pronunciation, of which I know nothing. Um, but but I but but what I said to him is that yeah you know what but we're fanboy slash girls like we're not normal people don't do that I think like they don't like let me immerse myself in this thing I know nothing about via a Wikipedia page like that's a very specific kind of person who does that and mm-hmm. we're those people but that's not it's not a I don't know sorry but here's the bigger question say? well so this is the big one to kind of spin off of that is if we weren't who we are and didn't know. Uh, everything we do about comics, if we were to hop in and read Secret Wars or Convergence, would you have a clue where to go from there? No. Like if, I, if I start reading Secret Wars, do I know at what point I should start reading to lead up to it? Do I know I need to start with Hickman's Avengers and New Avengers? Um, do I need to go back to Bendis's Avengers and New Avengers? Like... Unless, I mean, you should because they're really good, but you don't need what? to from a standpoint of continuity, exactly, right? So, but I would still point to people like I think my brother, when he you know got back to reading comics again, he was started by reading Bendis's New Avengers, like, and I guess you know, I mean, I think it's so much easier to get back into comics if you've ever been into comics. That's just much easier than getting new people into comics. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, like I, to me, it seems a lot of it is last readers as opposed to new readers. Um, but who knows? I mean, the, I mean, the other thing comes down to is, like, for the, again, for those new readers, like, are we pointing them to where to go from there? Um, you know, it was weird. You know, I kind of praised it and mocked it at the same time is at the end of Age of Ultron, it felt like the end of Lord of the Rings where it was like, here's an ending, and then we're going to kind of cut to another ending and another ending and another ending. And Marvel yeah. put in this final issue of uh, it would get to the first ending and see like to see this story, pick up this comic, and then it would go to the next one. It was like to find out more about Angela, read this comic, to find out more about this, read this comic, which is nice uh, for new readers. Yeah, for, that is really handy. Yeah, and it's one where like it it was 
it was the right idea, I think, done the wrong way, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, uh-huh. Where it just felt like a straight-up advertisement. Or, I, I, you know, I might have made it a little bit more subtle as opposed to, like, a full-page splash ad. Um, but, you know, unless you're guiding those readers, like, I don't think folks will have a clue where to go. Um, you know, the Marvel yeah. Limited is helpful for pointing stuff like that out, and I would hope that they have a whole Secret Wars 101 section. But, you know, who knows? I mean, from my understanding, from what I get through the grapevine, the Marvel Unlimited app is very much catering to uh, existing fans and lapsed fans as opposed to new fans. So, and you have that problem. Yeah, it's, is, well, it's too much of a, Marvel Unlimited is too much of a financial investment to, to work for new fans. If they yeah. had, like, some limited plan, <laughs> if they had Marvel Limited, for example, where you could, like, get three titles <laughs> a month for, like, $5, like that, you would get a ton of new readers through that, and then they would up their membership level or something like that, you know, unless they're hooked. What yeah, do you think? I mean, hell, just drop it down to be, like, you can buy comics for us at a dollar a pop, old school comics at 99 cents. Um, I think you might pick it up more like iTunes uh, music buys than anything else and that's what re- mm-hmm. really kicked off the music industry right the digital industry is that 99 cent price point for yeah. items um or even the buck 29 price point so yeah but i have had problems i can't get any of the comics i bought on my old phone off my new phone no freaking joke interesting off of which service from an apple at&t to another Apple AT&T. Oh, um, well, I mean, like what? Um, Marvel's app, DC's app, and the other one, and Comixology. Hmm. That is very, very. That's really odd because out of all the apps, that one's fairly good in that department. Yeah. So. I had hmm. I didn't have it between or older phones, but anyway, it's the kind of thing that makes you be like not trust, not really trust it. But. Yeah, and you can also go and we could. I mean, we could do an entire show about digital purchases and how you're not really buying anything. But that's a yeah. that's a different discussion. <laughs> oh, I want to read one more quote from someone um Scott is saying, uh that's my favorite I was saying that, you know, these these they're good for returning fans. But he points out that the original Secret Wars is actually how he got hooked on comics in the first place. And I've heard that from other people as well. But here's the question. Secret Wars the I don't comic know why. Was- well, no, so here's the thing. was The Secret Wars comics was actually based off a of toy line. It went toy line, then comic, not comic, then toy line. So the question is, uh, did he wind up going from the toy to the comic? Because if so, it was the toy that brought him to the comic, not the comic. Good point. I'm asking now. Yeah, um, so also while we're talking about it, uh, during their Thursday live um, video where they talk about it, uh, talk about Secret Wars, um, and we've got it on our site, they do say that there's going to be tons of tie-ins in ancillary products beyond Marvel, so expect toys and probably video games and, like, who knows what else. Um, Could it be T-shirts that have female characters on them? No, don't be silly. (laughs) Sorry. I'm getting my hopes up. Oh, and Scott says it was the comic, actually, so there you go. Interesting. That is really, really interesting. I don't remember original Secret Wars. Like I, uh, I mean, I, I remember them, but I don't remember them in my own life. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I want to reread it. I mean, I just remember it being really silly and basically a bunch of heroes and villains battle, like, duking it out with the Beyonder. Like, it wasn't much beyond that. Oh, yeah, I know why I don't remember it. I I didn't read comics in that year. Because <laughs> I, was, I was too young. Um, ah. Yeah. <laughs> but been it, like... I know four words on this page. Yay. No. Um, the, the, the original Secret Wars always felt like Battle of the Network Stars done by done in comics. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. See, whereas something like Mosaic, I feel like is actually kind of a cool template for looking at comics worlds and like how do they relate to each other. I don't think it's good from a business standpoint, but I think it's good from a it could be good from a creative standpoint. Yeah, so the one thing that Marvel has had going for it is even with all these upheavals and all these changes, unlike DC, they haven't rebooted and everything has flowed into the next thing. So I fully expect Secret Wars when it's over and whatever the new Marvel Prime universe, if it's still called the 616 or whatever, it will make sense as to how we got from point A to point B. Um, and in the end, like it will still all the stuff that has happened will still be um, will still be history and nothing will be have like retcon. Things might be destroyed and people might be dead and there might be new versions, but the history will still be there and valid. Um, see, I don't mind if my stuff is invalidated from a standpoint of like, oh, all these things I love are lost. I mind because I feel like a lot of these things are excellent art, and I don't want to see that sort of be just, I mean, it still exists as something which someone can read and reflect on, but some of the things that are true from it are meaningful. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, to me, also, there's some things that are just iconic that you have, you kind of have to keep. Um, like, you can't have like Captain America. Well, so, like, a perfect example, Captain America, to me, has to fight in World War II and be frozen. You can make him be yeah. frozen in a much longer standpoint, but he doesn't work fighting in Vietnam. Um, no, because that would be wrong. Um, right, or the Korean War, or the Gulf War, or any, like, like he is... World War Two in my mind, and him punching out Hitler is an iconic scene, and you can't change that. It might be no. instead of 30 years of him being frozen, it turns into like 50 or 60 years of him being frozen. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah that's okay. That's how it is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even, so they're prepping us for that. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if that's, a, if that's a, a change that they make. One of the things that's hard is what the frick do you do about the X-Men, because they're so tied to the 60s, and yet so tied to the 80s, and yet so yep. tied to today. They well, are so specific to their time periods in different ways. So there are, there have been comments here and there in um, in Hickman's Avengers and a couple other series where they're making those comments, like that type of thing, like, you know, hey, it felt like that, you know, Iron Man, it felt like that you first were in the Korean War and now you're in the Iraq War. Like, it feels like there's a time jump. Like, there's hints to that sort of stuff and, the, like, the rejiggering of the timeline and that things, I think they're calling it being, like, um, time was elastic and now it's 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 getting pulled or, like, shrinking or something. Like, they're 
they're hinting at all this. And it seems mm. like Secret Wars is going to try to fix, I think, a lot of that, which should be interesting. It's interesting because Iron Man can totally be out of the Gulf War. You know what I mean? He's yeah. not – like, he can totally time jump, and it's totally fine. And they've done that. But like the X-Men, new, I, think I don't that's know new where background. to place them. I don't know where to place the X-Men, though. Well, my issue with the X-Men is, like, I, I associate the X-Men with – with the civil rights movement and to take them out of the sixties for me kind of messes with that. But there were additional civil rights movements that have gone through every other decade though. They're just not no, I know. this public in the same eye. So it can know. work. It's like, it works, but for this, the same time they're not, it's not quite as connected to me as like Captain Mar or Captain America with, with Hitler. No, nothing but, is. Nothing right. is. But I still kind of connect them to like the '60s and the civil rights. Yeah. Um, so I, I I I have no idea. I I will say right now the time displaced uh, old X Men in the modern Marvel U with all new X Men is actually really entertaining. Um, so it works, and you could kind of explain some things through that. But again, who freaking knows? Um. It'll be interesting. I I, I think something's going to change because they've been hinting that they can't send those X-Men back in time, and I think because that time period is being erased. Right. And that and they're hinting God that... God damn it, with, Henry McCoy. We expected <laughs> you to behave like a rational adult. You know, yeah, and they, I... They've done I that with... I, I still don't believe that Hank did that. I, I know that that was... How many years ago did he do that? Two or three years ago? I'm still like, no, you didn't. You didn't really do that. That was that was that that dark. Do you remember Dark Beast? Yep. That's Dark Beast. That that's not Hank McCoy. That's preposterous. But sooner or later, isn't Beast like out of everyone? Shouldn't Beast go batshit insane? Like he's just that crazy genius, and you'd think at some point he'll lose it. Yeah. If anyone's no, going to destroy the world, all right. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's going to destroy the world, it's going to be Hake Pym. That's a, that's a given. Yes, God, motherfucker. But you no, know, so McCoy just like I just whatever. So okay, so that makes sense. They're stuck here because the time stream is gone. I thought right. they were going to bring back Jean Grey in a different way. I want Jean Grey to come back in like a blazing firebird. Like I don't want, I don't know. I want it to be grown up Jean for one thing. What, you don't like the slightly pedo uh, storyline of older Cyclops staring at young Jean Grey, young underage Jean Grey? For some reason. Um, and, you know, I also feel like Jean Grey, maybe it's because she was written by Stan Lee in the 60s, but, like, she just wasn't as good of a character as she became later on. So, as a result, I yeah. just really prefer grown-up Jean. I love grown-up Jean. She was always, to me, seemed like a character that kind of got... Uh, was second fiddle. Like, she was never super interesting to me um, until, like, later in the years when she got, she grew up and she became the Phoenix and eventually kind of found herself and her voice and got much more kick-ass. Um, but, yeah, I- I'm with you. Um, so so do, are we are we on to DC's version of how they're going to fuck up continuity? Yes. 
Um, so Convergence. So DC has an event called Convergence. So let me uh, see if this sounds familiar. An eight-part series, it, along with a zero issue, just like Secret Wars, uh, is uh, taking the various DC universes of the past and matching them all together um, in 40 different uh, two-part miniseries is going to take place during April and May. Um, Jeff King is the one writing it. I know Scott Lobdell, a favorite of ours, um, is got his is <laughs> got his hands in it as well. Um, Conversion starts April first. No, it's not an April Fool's joke, but it might be in reality. Um, it takes a whole bunch of the DC universe and, and kind of mixed it all together. Um, and we have been told that. Uh, the DC universe that comes out of this will not be the same of the DC universe going into it. Again, I don't know if that sounds familiar. We've just been discussing the exact same thing for the last 15 minutes. Um, so is this yeah. like how Doom Patrol and X-Men were both invented the same exact time as Swamp Thing and Man Thing? Uh, <laughs> it does sound seem like that. Uh, and f- for those who don't know, Doom Patrol did come first. Um, the it's interesting, like it's bringing back a lot of nostalgic pre fifty two stuff um, and even Golden Age stuff, and that seems like a lot of it is there to make fans happy. Um, I like unlike, being happy. Yeah. So, but the other thing is, unlike Marvel there was a necessity for DC to do something. Um, so for those who folks who don't know, DC is moving from the East Coast to the West Coast. So they have to move their entire freaking company, relocate staff, um, and that takes a lot of time to do that for a massive corporation. Um, so basically this is kind of their break while they reshuffle and do all that stuff. Um so something needed to be done, so I can't really mock them too much. Well, one, they did not need to move to California. Well, yeah. They did I mean, not that's appreciate a whole other... the devaluation of New York's cultural capital. No, no, no. I, uh, DC and Marvel, to me, are both very iconic when it comes to New York City. Um, Thank they're you. Moving, they are moving to the West Coast to be closer to Warner Brothers, their parent company, and hopefully maybe get some synergy going on between everything. Um, <laughs> but the lack of synergy has nothing to do with location and everything to do with our parent companies being dickbags. Well, that's a whole other thing. You, you can do this with solid leadership and, um, yeah. Anyway. You can do it in many other yeah, ways. So they're but, moving yeah. them so they have some reason why they need to do something. But they also, I mean, DC, everyone's angry at DC because of any number of things. Like, there's good reasons to be angry. There's bad reasons to be angry. There's lots of different reasons. And I do think that this is an opportunity where they're going to try to make everybody happy. And, of course, that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, I'm really excited they're bringing back Spoiler and Cassandra Cain and basically all the oh, – oh, God, one of the articles that you sent me to read about explanation of why DC is doing this, it made it very clear that this is like, okay, we heard you. We understand you want Spoiler and Black Bat back. Okay, we understand that now. Please stop hitting us. Like, it was really clear that this isn't – that there are choices to bring those characters back or because fans are flip, have flipped, been flipping out. Um, so that's edifying to hear. But what about the rest of it, you know? Um, I really think that some of the de-aging of the DC universe 
just didn't make any sense. And I don't envy them trying to solve the problem of simplifying the universe with, while, you know, but like there being five, but the fact that there were five Robins and Batman had only been active for five years and things like that, just bizarre. Yep. It doesn't make sense from a narrative standpoint. Like, never mind, like, the and how the Green Lantern. Go ahead. Yeah, the continuity of the new two made no sense. I mean, you had Bat- Superman actually died, I guess, still, and then you all the the Green Lantern stuff is still good. Um, it, it, the new Fifty Two continuity was a, a, as much of a mess as the pre Fifty Two. And that was just stupid. Like, why would you do that? Why? It just wasn't thought through. I mean, we've had some writers, and we've asked them like. When you sat down, how, you know what type of discussions have you had? And it seemed pretty clear that there was no big picture uh, discussed with anyone. Um, so yeah. you think that this that this event is probably going to speak to a lot of old fans because it's going to bring back characters we miss, but you think it's also going to reference things like Golden Age characters and stuff like that? Well, it definitely will. So um, the releases, there's 40 miniseries that are going to be going on during this two-month event. Um, and here, like, to, a perfect example is for week three, um, you've got Batman and the Outsiders, which is, I think, definitely um, kind of leans more towards the old-school fans. And there's a uh, reference to OMAC in that series. Um, Aha! There's Adventures of Superman that's going to be written by Marv Wolfman, who's definitely uh, for old school fans. Uh, the Wonder Woman's yeah. Larry Hama, but that's not really that's nothing crazy. The Flash isn't really anything crazy, except that talks about the the Tangent Universe for folks who might not remember that one. Oh God! Wait, so they're even acknowledging crossovers with Marvel? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the Superboy, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, I feel like that one's a nostalgic grab. Um, Green Lantern Corners is, doesn't seem anything with the Green Lantern Corps, anything special. Um, other than the Green Lantern Corps is fighting to save Gotham, but already. Uh, Swamp Things doesn't seem anything as special. Uh, Justice League America. And with uh, reference to Detroit, the Detroit Justice League and also yeah. the Tangent Universe. Oh. That's <laughs> funny. I'm like, I'm like, yay, Detroit Justice League. Oh, no, Tangent Universe. The uh, highest and lows that this is forcing me to experiment. That one written by uh, Fabian Nasazia, which is like an old school writer yeah. for fans of the 90s. Uh, yeah, but not a, a good one. No, but, you know, the, hey, he married Cyclops and Jean Grey. Um, That's true. We got Hawkman series. You've got New Teen Titans again being written by Marv Wolfman, a guy who I yeah, associate with Teen Titans. Cool. Oh, yeah. but before you get happy on that one, it involves the Tangent Universe's Doom Patrol. Oh, do you, is that is, is that Doom Patrol like half X Men or something? I have no idea. I. It, yeah, I mean, that's got to be what? Doom Patrol mixed up with X-Men, right? Yeah. Every time you're like, yeah, I'm like, Tangent Universe. <laughs> um, mm. Then you've got week four is all about the pre-crisis on Infinite Earths and Earth 2. So again, fully to nostalgic fans. You've got a Justice Society of America, uh, Infinity Inc., which is Jerry Ordway, 
um, Detective Comics well, is one Gwen, name. Uh, Gail, Gail Simona is going to be writing that girl. I mean, Oracle, yep. actually, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oracle is back in with that. Um, you've got Crime Syndicate, which actually could be really cool. That's the one I look forward to. Um, you have an Earth 4 series. So that's Scott Lovell. Which one is Earth 4? I don't remember. There's too many. There's Blue Beetle. See, Captain if you Man, and I don't question. know, if you and I don't know, then it's probably a bad idea. Like, How about Earth Five? I know Earth Three. Yeah, Earth you know? Five is the is the Captain Marvel Earth. That is correct. Does it looks like the letter S? Which is yep. uh, Earth X. What? Mm-hmm. Not the Marvel Earth X. Wait, uh, is it DC Earth X? There is a there's pre-crisis on Infinite Earth Earth X. This is Plastic Man and the Freedom Fighters fighting. Plastic uh, Man. Oh, but yep. Plastic Man was also interwoven into the main DC universe. Yep. Yeah, I mean very it's, well, it's, I might add. Yeah, and I I will say it's oh Earth Four is Carl Earth Four is Carlton. It's, it's Charlton Comics. Okay. Yeah. Thank yeah, yeah. you. I mean, it's, it's, uh, Jim Dandy. It's nice that they're weaving in a lot of that history. I think that's kind of cool. Oh, apparently we're wrong. Tangent is, I'm just inflating tangent and amalgam. So amalgam is, tangent, the, is the Marvel, yeah. Right. But you know, he's saying that tangent, tangent was, was race the Stan flip, Lee. Race flips DC. Was the race? Tangent was the, the Stan Lee one? No, no, race flipped, he's saying. Hold on. Let's look up. I thought that was tangent. Earth 23. I thought that was Earth 23. If we're having this much trouble, like, how's the average person going to be doing that? Um, so here, Tangent was a DC comic imprint created from 97 to 98. Uh, Dan Jurgens it was formed from various one-shots focusing on creating all new characters using established DC names, such as Joker, Superman, and Flash, uh, contrasting Tangent Universe with the DC Universe. Um, duh, duh, duh. Who cares about that? So, <laughs> yeah, it's basically just a different version of the DC universe. Um, the interference of the original Atom causes the Cuban Missile Crisis um, to escalate into That's limited what nuclear... That's in real life, by the way. With the Atom? Yes. Yeah, well, this one had a small nuclear exchange uh, in the obliteration of Florida and Cuba. Just like in real life. Ex- yes, Exactly. No, that's not, that's not accurate. That's not accurate at all. So the titles that came out were The Atom, Doom Patrol, Flash, Green Lantern, Joker, Metal Man, Nightwing, Sea Devils, Secret Six, and then Power Girl, Nightwing, Night Force, The Superman, Tales of the Green Lantern, Batman, The Joker's Wild, Trials of the Flash, Wonder Woman, and JLA. Um, so basically it's just another version of the DC Universe. Oh, wait, and then these uh, characters eventually get moved over to Earth-9 and interact with a whole bunch of other versions of the Earth, of DC uh, multiverse. Yeah. Do you remember, I actually remember an issue, gosh, I don't remember, it was definitely a comic that I got from, like, Five Cents crinkled up old comic, where where Earth, where characters, where humans, regular humans on Earth-2 are, like, observing the annual Earth-1 and Earth-2 meeting of superheroes, and they're complaining that their Earth is called Earth-2, because why should their Earth be Earth-2? And I thought, 
I'm really glad someone is thinking about this because it's 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 impossible that that wouldn't be a huge issue in real life. Well, this is a good question. Are the numbers based off of the perspective of the main DC Earth? Like Earth three, are they sitting there like, no, we're Earth Prime and they're Earth three? I don't, I, I don't know how they chose who gets to be num- which number, you know. And of course, everybody is their own Earth one. That's that's the human perspective on things. Wherever you are is number one. So yes, I, I agree with that. Um, I don't know. So I mean, it's it's basically taking a whole bunch of different versions of the DC universe and matching them together in this two month storyline. So, what do you think? Uh, it's interesting. Like it's interesting. I I think I'll probably be saving a lot of money for those two months. Is the big thing that I'll be thinking. Um, and it comes down to the big question of what do they do afterwards? You know, if it's still the same old mess that is the fifty-two, and they don't address some of the. Uh, characters that they're leaving out and um, create like really good series coming out of it, then it's all for not, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, so we we had this discussion when they first announced this. Like, wouldn't it have been the smarter thing for those two months is to take a whole bunch of characters who might have not been quite as known and do a whole bunch of one-shots? Yep, and see which ones are popular, which ones stick. Absolutely. I think that would have been very cool. You yeah. Know? Get, I would like, have bought all of them at that point. I know, well, exactly. Not all of them, I would but... have bought any, well, I would have bought any of them that had creative teams that I like. Absolutely, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, whereas this, like, other than there's maybe, like, three or four of them at most that I'm actually really excited for, um... For the most part, like I, yeah, it's just it's it's the same issue I have with DC's multiversity. Whereas I think it banks so much on nostalgia and DC, um, DC history that unless you're really into DC comics, it's hard to enjoy. Mhm. Yeah, I mean, I think like if they have a comic coming out of this that's like just Plastic Man related. You know, I know one of the few things from comics my dad has positive nostalgia about from his youth is he did enjoy Plastic Man. So if I can be like, oh, look, they're doing a new thing with Plastic Man, then he might be interested in that. But not if it's like, oh, but it's also tied to these 30 other things that you have no idea what they are. That's like an instant, like, uh, never mind. I'm going to keep reading Saga, thanks, which is what I probably expect to hear from him. Um, I mean, artistically, like, I, you know, I'm excited to see Marv, you know, writing Teen Titans. Like, that's cool. Uh, a lot of the artistic choices they're making about, like, creative choices they're making about who's writing what are kind of uninspired. And some of them are inspired, but I'm not seeing enough diversity among the names that they're using. Well, and yeah, I mean, that's... They yep. could be using this to fix. They could be using yep. this as an opportunity to fix that. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, we... I want to say when, when this first was announced, that was one of the first things that jumped out was, like, of the first whatever week, there was like one one female creator, I think, and I want to say it was Gail. Um, yeah. And the number of comics that are actually female led are are few and far between, and uh, it's it's 
there was there was a lot of stuff that could have been done differently that I think would have actually been inspired and interesting and probably gotten folks excited and it's a little weird. Um, it's opportunity lost. I think is the best way. Yeah. To put it. Absolutely. Yeah. There's like the Nightwing Oracle, which is Gail Simone, which should be interesting. Yeah, I mean Nightwing Oracle, like and the aliens, like but it, that's the one thing everyone's talking about. Interestingly, yeah. like I'm not hearing any buzz around anything else. No, so I mean other stuff that's coming out. You've got uh, a Superman comic where Superman and Lois are dealing with uh, their impending child. Um, the Atom has Ray Palmer finds Ryan Choi is still alive. Uh, you have got the uh, Batgirl, which is Stephanie Brown back uh, Batgirl. Um, but she has to deal with the Flashpoint Catman, Red Robin, and Black Bat. Ooh, okay. Who's writing that? Um, Alice, uh, Elisa, Alisa Quitney? Hmm. Which I have no idea what that's else. A new, that's a new, a new lady writer, yeah? That's yeah. That's cool. Uh, um, the art on it looks, it's okay, nothing really jumps out at me. There's the Nightwing Oracle, mm-hmm. which we said, um... Uh, there's one about speed, the Speed Force, which I think deals with a little bit of Flashpoint stuff. Um, you have a comic just called Titans. Uh, Justice League, of course, because there's always got to be Justice League. Uh, the Question, which actually is, I think, the one I'm most excited for. Oh, that's right. Talk a little bit about that. So the big reason I'm saying so it's Two Face is fighting another uh, another world's Harvey Dent, and it's up to Renee uh, Montoya as the question to help him beat the odds. For me, the big draw is the fact that Greg Rucka is writing it and Coley Hammer is doing the art. That is an awesome team. So that's going to be cool. Yeah. So um, probably out of all of them, I think that would be the one I'm really excited for. Uh, maybe probably Gale's Nightwing Oracle is probably second up there. Yeah, no, Greg, Greg, Greg Rucker on the question. That's like, I can't actually produce a whistling sound, so <laughs> just insert one there and post, okay? That's yeah. going to be awesome. To me, that's the that's the really, really cool one. Um, I mean, Greg Rucker doing anything, the dude could write the phone book, and I would be like, sweet, I'm down. Um, yeah. Let's see here. We also had the other series, just going through them all. We've got Green Arrow with Oliver Queen meets uh, Connor Hawk for the first time. Um, you've got a Green oh. Lantern para- Yeah, uh, that but like, one but, is... But, but Queen is... But Oliver Queen is like 12, though, right? He's like meeting his son from the future, Parallel World? Yes. I, I don't know. This is a good question. A writer okay. is Christy Marks. So, female writer, at oh. least. Oh, Christy Marks. So that'll be interesting. So Christy Marks is writing something having to do with Green Green Arrow. Yeah. And Those are like Rad- things that might make me read it. Yeah, artist is Rags Morales. And I'm pretty sure Rags Morales. Oh, I don't like him. I don't like right. him at all. It's one where I, it, I, I'm i not like, I wouldn't jump out and be like, oh my God, he's writing, but the same, or drawing, it's, but at the same time, I'm not, it wouldn't turn me off of the book. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's a Green Nerd Parallax. I'm sorry? There's a Green Lantern Parallax comic by Tony Bennard. Eh. Uh, Suicide Squad? Kingdom Comes, Floating Fortress of New Oa Threatens Metropolis. It's up to Amanda Waller to put together a team of the city's deadliest villains to stop it. Kind of sounds cool. Is it, is, 
skinny Amanda Walder or is it real Amanda Walder? This is a good question. Um, Can we tell? Well, uh, on the the image that I have, I don't have the cover, but she might be on the cover. On the, oh, no, it, I think it's heavy Amanda Waller. Yay, oh, yeah, real Amanda it's, Waller. It's, it's heavier Amanda Waller. She seems to... Oh, splitting the difference. Possibly. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, she's exactly the size she used to be, but she's, she's not okay. skinny. Hey, 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 send me, send me the picture. Send me the, send me the picture. I'm on, I'm on Gchat. Well, speaking yeah. of Gchat, by the way, I want to thank all the listeners who've been actively participating on Twitter this time. I mean, one, you guys are allowed to call into the show as well, just yes. so you know. But yes, two, um, I'm really enjoying that you guys are chiming in as we're going because it's a nice, it's a nice uh, dynamic to have. I like it. Oh wow, yeah, no, that's real size Amanda Waller. Yeah, and I think that's more on top of the grate. Like, if you actually look at the image, there's, there's like, the criminals underneath, and then there's a grate, and there's three people, and I think that's her in the middle. That's cool. Also- Nobody cares about Aquaman. You know what's so interesting to me is you have... Namor, who's a fantastic character that I don't know, maybe I care about him a lot and other people don't, but I get the feeling that people care about Namor. Meanwhile, nobody cares about Aquaman in the DC Universe. It's He's bizarre gotten... how much they've been trying to foist him on us just based on the particular fetish of a specific writer at DC. Um, He's gotten but I don't feel like it's working. Uh, I've liked, I like the main series. I've liked the main series much better than it has been in the past. Um, it's not maybe a level but it's not horrible like it's not the punch joke the punchline like it used to be um we've got a superboy okay. series how about supergirl matrix that's one from the past anyone remember matrix supergirl no tell me is she in the matrix no so it was like she was this blah I, so this is even where my knowledge of dc universe starts completely falling apart from what i remember she was like a blob like being and it was idiotic. Um, let me we'll, we'll go to the Google. Back to Wikipedia. Matrix is a fictional character and superheroine best known from the '88 to 2002 Supergirl, published by DC. Another character conquering Matrix took over. Um, there's no Superman. Yeah, so basically it was this protoplasmic thing that wound up taking on um, the look of Supergirl is the best way I can describe it. It's a little... It's a little goofy. I just remember being really horrible. Um, What else? We've got Catwoman by Justin Gray, which might be interesting. Justice League International. Cool. uh, Ron Mars is writing it. Friend of friend of ours, Ron mm-hmm. Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's either you're gonna love it, or you're gonna hate it. Um, Batman: Shadow of the Bat, bringing back the old Azrael Batman. See, I hate the old Azrael Batman, but it could be interesting. Like, if the writer understands how terrible Azrael is, then it could be good. So it's written by Larry Hama, who again, you're either oh. gonna love it, or you're gonna hate it. Yeah, I mean, he to me, he's okay. a classic writer. Like. It, Mm-hmm. I love his G.I. Joe stuff. Um, so a year ago, Batman got trapped in Metropolis when hunting down Azrael. Now he must team with the man that replaced him and see how differently they operate as Batman. Batman's. The start of the whole debate, is it Batman's or Batman? And no um, one has ever solved it. 
I asked DC well, to resolve it. It's a good question. So I was <laughs> so I was corrected by a editor from uh, DC uh, who had worked on the or a former editor who had worked on uh, the Batman comics and said it was Batman and I was like but grammatically that makes no sense if Batman is the name and there's multiple Batman then you should put an S. And then I tweeted and asked DC to resolve it, and they haven't. <laughs> and then the final one that we haven't talked about is Superman, Man of Steel. Louise Simonson is writing it. Um, Metropolis is right. taken when Superman was missing, so it's up to Steel to guard the city from the heroes of Gen 13 in his absence. That's all the series for Convergence that will be going on. 40 series over two months. Plus eight comics Jesus. plus a zero issue. So if each series is only going to have each series is only going to have one issue. Two issues. Wow, that's a lot of comics. Yeah. I'm not even sure how to modify my pull list. Have fun with previews. That's about all I can say. For folks who have a pull list, we'll rely on previews over this next eight months. Rely on it with all your might. Well, my so my bigger question is Convergence is eight issues over a two-month period, so we're getting an issue a week. That's brutal. Well, so part of it... Like the art's going to be shit. Yeah, so the Convergence has a whole bunch of artists, which is never a good sign. What do you mean, like for the, for the main line of books, you mean? Yeah, well, so the main like books, yeah, eight. that's all over the place. But um, you've got Dan Jurgen for the Convergence number zero, it's co-written by Jeff King and Dan Jurgens and illustrated by Ethan Van Skyver. And then Convergence 1 through 8, written by Jeff King, with art by Carlo Pagulin and Stefan Segovia. And I would not be shocked if there's going to be fill-in people. Yeah. I really feel like there's so much art is so rushed. You know, the artists are not paid enough to have enough time to do the work well. And then it just it shows. Well, the other is, is these are literally fill-in issues. Like, are you... I'm, I always feel like when there's fill-in stuff, it usually shows, and it's pretty obvious that it's fill-in stuff. Yeah. And and the consumer deserves, you know, a quality product every month. Yep. And the other is we really don't, you know, other than what has been shown as far as, I mean, we basically have to go off of everything in the past to figure out whether or not it is worth it getting the um, the current stuff. Yeah. I mean, there are a few names attached to this who are fantastic. I'm actually kind of surprised that they got Rucka to come back to do this, to be honest. I guess he's... I mean, that's surprising. Yeah. I mean, they dangled the, the question in front of them. I guess that's got to be worth bringing them back, or maybe they dangled a bag full of money. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it will, uh, it'll be interesting. I, 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 I'm going to put you on the spot. Out of the two, if you had to pick one, which one would you choose? Out of the two what? Out of Secret Wars and Convergence. If you could only, and Ooh. you can't pick neither. Um, 
I haven't been paying enough attention to the individual issues. Well, none of us really know what the individual issues are going to be of of convergence. So I don't really think I can answer that question at this point. Ooh. Okay. Fair enough. Because well, the I mean, only they... reason that I would say anything positive at all about um, – I'm sorry. I don't mean convergence. Convergence is D.C. We just went through a list of issues of convergence with D.C. So I actually yeah. have opinions about those issues. I don't know the issues of what's coming out through the Marvel so it's no one those does. apples to oranges. Yeah. You know, I don't trust DC on this. I don't trust DC really on anything. But, um, you know, there's a handful of DC titles that sound kind of cool that I would probably read, but I don't really expect much coming out of it, and I don't really expect to start, you know, reinvesting in DC in a significant way afterwards. Um, but, I'm, you know, it, it's great to have Rucka, and I'm looking forward to, to Gail, and those things will be great. And then with Marvel, I don't really know what the work is going to be. I, I can't really say. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, so I mean, you know, out of the two, I'm more of a Marvel fan than DC, so there's that, and my big issue is I don't know enough about DC history and the various versions and the multiverse that that Convergence really appeals to me. Like, there's individual series that do. Like, Rucka doing The Question, I am absolutely about that. Um, Gail doing the Nightwing Oracle, I will absolutely get that. Um, there's a couple others here and there that I'll pick up, but for the most part, like, Earth-9, Earth-5, all that stuff, like, I shrug my shoulders and go, oh, okay. Um, like, I'm not that um, invested in DC history that any of this, like, if you sit there and be like, hey, it's the, it's Plastic Man and the Freedom Fighters from Earth three or five or whatever it is, uh, or nine, um, is in this series, I don't immediately feel like, oh my god, that's awesome, because I am familiar with that version, and like really, really dug that run, and those characters, and understand the history. Like I just don't know DC well enough. Um, so, out of the two, I would pick Secret Wars, just because at least I've been reading those comics, and I kind of want to see what the payoff is, and it's at least taking what exists in mashing it all together as opposed to taking stuff that might have not have been relevant for like 20 years and pulling it out of the <laughs> drawer. <laughs> and, I mean, Tangent, we just said Tangent yeah. was what, 98, 90, so 97, 98? Yeah. So, I mean, that's almost 20 years at this point. Tangent can almost drink. Tangent can vote this year. Let's put it that way. Tangent can vote. Tangent can vote. That's uh, that's gonna get tweeted now. <laughs> Tangent is so old it can vote. Agent Bandius says if he had to pick uh, tie-ins from Convergence, the main book on Secret Wars, because we must trust in Hickman. Fair enough. I will say, out of everyone, Hickman's got the long game. If you want a uh, a writer who will start a series and pay it off three years later, Hickman's your writer. So um, I hear, so I hear. Yeah, but you have to be, you have to go in there and accept that that's what you're getting into. Um, so, final thing to talk about, we've talked tons about Convergence and Secret oh, Wars, gosh. I feel like yeah, we, we should talk about the big news story today. Yeah, Kamala. Um, so the big story that uh, I want to say that we broke, looking at every other comic site covering this, they were hours after us. 
Um, though we get no credit towards that, and really you get all the credit for it because you're the one that brought it up. So how about you? Uh, sure. As the one who really so, broke it in the blog, comic blogosphere. Well, it's actually because Paul Russell, uh, a friend of the show, uh, posted it on Facebook. Um, there, uh, on the there's a, this crazy bigot lady who has like a small cottage industry about of anti-Islamic advertisements. Um, her name is Pamela Geller. You missed it when you say her name. Um, she runs. She has a lot of hate advertisements that run on public transit. Um, basically saying horrible, bigoted things against Muslims. Um, and um, in San Francisco, somebody, I don't know who, I kind of wish I knew, uh, took those ads and covered them up with pictures of Kamala Khan and uh, crossed out offensive words and changed it to say, calling all bigotry busters, stop the hate, um, with pictures of Kamala Khan. Um, these are on buses now. They're on actual San Francisco municipal buses. It's... And awesome. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a great. It's a great indication of how this character has sort of broken out of just being something that geeks know about, being something that everyone cares about. And it is a great example of culture jamming, um, which is where, as an act form of protest, you use cultural products or notions and like put them towards your particular means or ends. Um, so in this case, though, this is a culture jamming which the creator of the character would probably be, actually we know to be more than okay with her use in this fashion. Um, she but was. Yeah, she, it's really creative. Her comment was, Sorry. drop the mic or something. I believe the, the yep, creator's yep. comment was like, I dropped the mic or drop the mic or something along that line. Yep, exactly. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is definitely like an activist being creative in using popular culture to get a point across. I love it. Yeah, I mean, so my big question off of it, and uh, you know, I'm going to see what I can find out about it, um, is that all still up there? Like, uh, you know, clearly it's it's great, and it's a great sign of protest, and the, the things that it covered were um, horrendous, and, you know, I'm sick that we have to do it, but understand why it has to go up. Yeah. Um, but my big question is: Has anyone taken this down? I mean, it's it's technically graffiti and you know damaged property. Um, I have stuff I get behind on this one, but uh, and did have they taken all this stuff down and fixed it? Like that's my only question, and I'm going to reach out. Yeah, to Yeah, do any of our listeners in San Francisco Bay Area have any spottings or sightings that you want to report? Let me know. Yeah, it's it's a top story in the site. You can go check it out. Um, but it it's fantastic like i i absolutely love it it's a story that uh quickly spread throughout the comic blogosphere um of course we got no credit for breaking it but whatever uh not that i'm better uh so (laughs) it's great like i i think seeing this is awesome clearly kamala has hit a positive note in the in the muslim uh world if like they're using her to do this sort of thing um the only so I mean, you've seen the photo so she's on three of the fo- four photos that i've seen there's one of a cartoon of a bunch of people at like a party that i can't figure out what it's from and it's the one you know. sent me 
Yeah, I've like I mean, if anyone knows that one, that's the other thing I would love to know. It's a picture of one, two, three, four, five, six people. It looks like the last person's in a wheelchair. It's a bunch of white people, from what I can tell. It looks like there's a Sikh person. It's kind of a small photo, so I apologize if I get that wrong. And then it says Islamophobia hurts us all, um, which is a great one for that since it's so diverse. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's done in a cartoon thing. It's not Kamala, and clearly it's from something. But that's the only one I have no idea. But it's fantastic. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I'm really really want to applaud whoever put that together because um, I, I bet a lot of people felt a lot happier riding their buses today. And um, I can only imagine what it would be like riding a bus to, to work and having that bus, like, assault, you know, be calling you, like, less than human, essentially. That, yeah. That's a ter- terrible thing. Yep, yep, yep. Um yeah, so I, I think I'm going to go hit up the San Francisco Metro Authority to see if they have a statement about that um, or not, and if they took it down or if they've got any other info, just because I'm interested in following up um, to see what has happened. And the other big question is, are we going to see this repeated elsewhere? Because this is not just in San Francisco... Yeah, it's uh, not that we're telling you to do that, wink, wink. Um, it's also in Chicago, New York, San Francisco, D.C. I haven't seen it in D.C. Have you seen these in New York? I have seen them in the New York. Usually they're, you know, graffitied over because <laughs> nobody wants to look at that shit. But um, nice. I uh, I don't know. I have not seen particular superhero-oriented response to it yet, but uh, I have – I uh, I I'll, when when the subways come back online again on Wednesday, uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll find out. Um, it'll be interesting. I, it'll be really really interesting to see if we see uh, repeats of this elsewhere. I kind of hope we do. This feels like a very cool thing to spread around and and people that might be listening. Yes. <laughs> Not that we're for defacement of things. At all? No. Oh, private no. property is most important. Private Absolutely. property is like way more important than people. You know, we got to keep our priorities straight, Brett. Yes. Um, Absolutely. I guess in this case, it'd be public property, but whatever. You get the idea. Property. <laughs> property is definitely more important than people. Right. Um, you don't want to cover up the hate speech. Hint. Hint. No. <laughs> no. Anyway, so this has been an exciting, uh, exciting day, and um, yeah. Uh, well, I want to thank you to all of our listeners again who've been joining in on Twitter. Um, folks, just feel free to continue tweeting at us. We are at Graphic Policy. I myself am at Ilana underscore Brooklyn because my Twitter account is that old that I didn't realize I needed to make it shorter than that. <laughs> we didn't know how Twitter worked. Mine's really long as well, my personal one. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I think that covers everything. Uh, so, as always, thank you folks for listening and joining us on the show, and for everyone that was tweeting and um, interacting, it was awesome, and I will remember to start telling the phone number to have people actually call in on the next show. So thank you for everyone in New York, on the eastern seaboard, in Boston, New England, everywhere. Uh, Stay warm, stay safe. Don't go out unless you absolutely have to. Um, Yeah, and I think we'll be back next week for a whole new episode.
Indeed. Cool. So until next time, you can find us at every single day at graphicpolicy.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere at Graphic Policy. We keep it nice and consistent. As always, thanks for listening. I'm Brett. And I'm Ilana. Keep it geeky.